good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, you can go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter 3 this morning. We're going to continue on in uh, our study through the book of Galatians. So hopefully you've been tracking uh, along with that uh, throughout this study. And we're on chapter 3 this morning, and uh, first off, uh, to, to be honest with you this morning, as I, I earlier this week opened, it up, the, ugh, opened up the book and, and went to Galatians chapter 3 and, and started to read and, and study uh, for the message this morning, at, at first, Galatians 3, I just didn't connect with it a whole lot. Like there, there's a whole lot of awesome stuff in Galatians chapter three, but but as I, I first read it, I'm like, man, I don't know like what I'm going to talk about this morning and and where I'm going to go with this. Galatians chapter three, the the first part of it, it it's kind of this awkward transitional part where, where we're transitioning from what we've talked about in the first couple chapters to what's going to be the focus in the end of Galatians and. Uh, all of the book of Galatians, of course, is about the Gospels, uh, or, or the Gospel. It's all about Jesus and how Jesus is God's Son, and Jesus came, and Jesus died on the cross for us, and, and that we put our faith in Christ, and that's what brings us back into relationship with God. That's what connects us with God again, and, and that's the whole focus of Galatians, and Chapters 1 and 2 really focused on what that means for our salvation. For us initially coming into relationship with God, what does faith and what does the Gospel have to do with that? And the rest of Galatians is going to focus a lot then on, okay, what, what does faith in the Gospel have to do with our life now that we are Christians? But as I start looking at this passage in Galatians chapter 3, it's, it's kind of this transition and, and hits a little bit on stuff we've already talked about and, and introduces stuff we're, we're going to talk about later in Galatians, but doesn't really dig deep into anything. And, and so I'm reading it and, and thinking about it, and I'm like, man, I'm just not connecting with this passage. And, and that happens sometimes when you're reading the Bible, right? Sometimes you, you open up the Bible and you read it and you're like, man, this is amazing. This is awesome. This is speaking right to where I'm at. And then other times you open it and you're like, I'm not really connecting with this. But the thing is, God is pretty awesome and God is, is good. And, and as I, I studied through it and thought through it more throughout the week, God really opened my eyes up to see some, some things in this passage and, and think through some things and, and actually help me to understand some things that I, I had known for years but gave me a, a better understanding and a, and a better grasp of them. And it was pretty cool how God did that uh, for me this week, just some stuff I knew that now I'm like, man, I, I understand it. I can wrap my head around it a little bit better. And so hopefully for you this morning, maybe you're, you're not going to learn a ton of new stuff this morning, but it hopefully helps you to understand and, and wrap your head around some of these aspects of faith and, and what is faith and what does that mean a little bit better this morning. 
And so like I said, we're, we're kind of transitioning from the Gospel's impact on that, that moment of salvation. The Gospel's impact on that moment of bringing us and making us right before God. And, and we're transitioning into what is a life centered on the Gospel? What is a life following Jesus look like? And I think this is one of the big questions that the Gospels focused on a lot. Or, or the epistles, Paul's letters, and, and the other letters in the Bible focused on a lot. What does it really look like to be a Christian? What does it really look like to follow Jesus? Because Paul and, and Peter and others that wrote some of the letters in the New Testament, they're writing to a lot of people who had just accepted Christ as their Savior, who were just becoming Christians, and they're trying to show them what does this Christian thing look like? Because you, you have Jewish people on the one side, or, or people that grew up Jewish, and have now accepted Christ as their Savior, and put their faith in Him, and are now trying to follow Jesus, and, and these former Jewish people are trying to say like, what does this look like? What is my Jewish tradition? What is the law that I grew up following? How does that fit in with being a Christian? And we, we've talked a lot about a group called the Judaizers who, who tried to tell these new Christians that if you really want to be a Christian, then you've got to follow Jewish tradition. You've got to follow Jewish law. And, and so they're wrestling on the one side, figuring out where does tradition, where do the rules and laws fit in with following Jesus? And you have these other people kind of on the other side, these, these Gentiles, these non-Jewish people, who are becoming Christians, who are starting to follow Jesus, and they're coming out of a, a pagan background, a, an idol-worshiping background, a, a Roman culture background, and they're trying to figure out where does my, my Roman culture fit in with following Jesus? And so these new Christians, they, they have this pull on the one side, tradition and law, and, and this pull on the other side, Roman culture and, and those things that that culture valued. And, and they're trying to figure out, where, where does Jesus fit with this? What does it look like to be a Christian? And that's kind of the same battle that we face a lot. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I don't have like Jews and Romans trying to tell me what to do. But in general terms, we, we kind of face that same kind of battle in our life. Right? For some of us, we, we've grown up in traditional churches. Maybe you grew up in a, in a Catholic church, in a, an Orthodox church, and tradition was very big and very important. And, and now you're trying to follow Jesus and you're trying to figure out where does this tradition and that stuff fit in with following Jesus. Or maybe like me, you grew up in a really conservative area and moralism was a very important thing. That it was implied that you follow these rules and if you're a Christian, you don't do these things. And, and you got to try and figure out where do these rules fit in with actually following Jesus. Right? And then we got the pool on the other side of, of our world and our culture around us that says value success, value comfort, value wealth. And we're trying to figure where, where do those cultural expectations fit in with following Jesus? 
And we're going to see in the rest of Galatians, Paul says that it's not that necessarily tradition rules or, or everything that our culture says is absolutely right or absolutely wrong, but God wants us to seek after something deeper. To follow Jesus is about something deeper than those superficial things. We're going to see that it's about our, our faith in Jesus. And so go ahead and open up to Galatians 3 and look at verse 1. Galatians 3 and verse 1. And if you have the Version Bible app on your phone, you can, as you do every week, pull up the live event on that app and it will have our verses and our passages for today on there. But look at Galatians 3 starting at verse 1. Paul writes there, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The first thing I want us to see in that verse is is again Paul's passion. That Paul is again going to talk about the Gospel. And again, we see Paul's passion for the Gospel that, that he starts out, O foolish Galatians! It's not just this like calm, mellow tone. It's a passion and excitement for the Gospel. He's saying this is important. And we've seen that all throughout Galatians so far. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul talks to the false teachers and says, false teachers, you should be accursed for teaching the false Gospel or teaching things that don't align with the truth of the Gospel. In chapter 2, we see him go to Jerusalem and confront the apostles, the disciples, those guys that had spent three years with Jesus and were now leading the church in Jerusalem. Paul goes to them because he has such a passion for the Gospel, goes to them and says, are you holding on to the Gospel message? Are you still teaching that Gospel truth that Jesus taught you? Are you still focused on Jesus died for our sins and it's our faith alone that brings us back into relationship with God? And later in chapter 2, we see him even go to Peter one-on-one. Josh talked about this last week. He goes to Peter one-on-one. And remember, Peter is the man. He's not just a disciple. He's kind of the disciple Right, leading the Jerusalem church, and, and Paul goes to him one on one and says, Peter, are you still teaching the gospel? Are you still holding to the truth of the gospel? You've let these other people come in and start to lead you astray. Get back to that truth that Jesus taught us. Get back to focusing on Jesus' death and our faith alone in that. We see Paul has this huge passion for the Gospel. A passion to preserve the Gospel. To keep it accurate and true. And I want to challenge us, first of all, this morning. Do we have a passion for the Gospel? Do we have a passion to preserve it? and to hold the truth of it, and to not compromise the message of the Gospel. right? That message about those basic things about Jesus and our faith in Him, 
Are we holding on to those things and not willing to compromise those things? There's a lot of other things in the Bible that we can have discussion on and and different groups come to different conclusions on and, and you can come to some different conclusions on some Bible truths and still be a Christian, but you can't compromise the Gospel and still be a Christian. Are we holding the Gospel truth that tightly? Right, we could have some discussion on politics and things in our world and, and come to vastly different positions on that. And I'm sure even in this room, there's vastly different positions on politics and, and that's alright. But are we holding on to the Gospel? Are we not compromising that? That is the thing that we need to preserve, that we need to be willing to die on a hill to hold on to the truth of that. Because that Our faith in Jesus and His work is what determines whether we're a believer or not. Whether we're a Christian or not. Whether someday we will go to heaven or not. And so we need a passion like Paul to preserve the Gospel. And Paul also in this verse shows that he has a passion to present the Gospel. The second part there, he says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What he's not saying there is that his readers had actually in person seen Jesus crucified. Now, there, there, I guess there's a possibility that one or two of them may have been there to see Jesus crucified, but for the most part, they hadn't in person seen Jesus being crucified and killed. What Paul is saying is, I presented the Gospel, I presented the message of Jesus so vividly to you that it was like you actually saw it with your own eyes. That Paul had a passion to present the Gospel clearly. He says, I presented it so clearly, it was was like you were there. You've seen it. You, You know who Jesus was and what He did. And so along with a passion to preserve the Gospel, do we have a passion to present the Gospel as well? Can you clearly articulate to somebody what the Gospel is, what the message of Jesus is? And I'm not asking, can you give a big theological dissertation about Jesus? I'm not asking, can you quote the entire book of Romans from memory? I'm just asking, can you speak in in normal terms and explain to somebody who Jesus is, what He did, why that's important to you, and why that should be important to them? Can you clearly present the Gospel like Paul did? And so Paul has a passion to preserve and a passion to present the Gospel. On to verse 2. He's going to start to move in now to the, this question though, of, okay, if, if, if the Gospel was important for us at the moment of salvation, then what's its importance as we go and as we try and live for Jesus? And he's going to ask some rhetorical questions here to kind of lead his readers into why is faith, why is the Gospel important? Look at verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So this first question he asks is, was your salvation, 
Was it by works or was it by faith? Did you come to know Jesus? Did you come to know God by works or by faith? And in chapters 1 and 2, Paul's made it pretty clear that our salvation is by faith and by faith alone. And he makes it pretty clear that these Galatians, that they knew that. They had experienced that. Right? He's not questioning whether they're believers here, but he's saying in your experience of, of coming to know God, was that an act of faith? Or was that an act of your works? He says, when you receive the Spirit, and I want to take a moment, flip to Ephesians 1. Flip to Ephesians 1. He introduces this idea of receiving the Spirit, and I just want to make sure we're on the same page with what that is and what that's all about. Because that's going to be really important as we go through the rest of the book of Galatians. This idea of the Spirit and, and who that is and what that is. So look at Ephesians 1, starting at verse 13. Paul explains a little more in depth this idea of receiving the Spirit. Paul writes there in verse 13, "...in Him, that's in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Jesus, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit." who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So what Paul says is, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when you put your faith in the Gospel, then you receive God's Holy Spirit into your life. That we put our faith in Jesus and that gives us the opportunity someday to go and to be in heaven with God, but until we go to be in heaven with God, God has sent His presence in the form of His Holy Spirit to be with us today. And that's a pretty awesome truth. And we could dig a lot more into that and talk a whole lot more about that. But Paul is saying this thing happens when you put your faith in Jesus that God's Spirit, God's presence comes and lives in you and is with you and that changes some things about you and that changes some things you think and you do and changes some things about who you are. And back in Galatians, Paul is saying to those Galatian believers, you've experienced the Spirit coming. You've experienced God's presence in your life changing you. And he says, did you experience that by faith or by works? And again, of course they know it's by faith that they experienced that. And a little side note here, because I want to make sure this is clear, this idea of experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life, that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, then we get the Holy Spirit and that changes things in us. And for some people, that's a huge, rapid thing. It's this in a moment, things just rapidly change in their life. Don Hall was sharing his story, his testimony with us a couple weeks ago at small group. And and for him, when he came to know Jesus as his Savior, things just clicked in his brain and in his personality, and things just changed overnight for him. 
And for, for others of it, myself included, it's, it's more of a gradual thing. That we put our faith in Jesus and then slowly God's Spirit changes some things in our life. And so if you don't look back, if you don't have that moment where, where things just completely changed overnight, that doesn't mean you're not saved but we should be able to look back and at least see some gradual change from the Holy Spirit working inside us. If we put our faith in Jesus, we we should see God changing some things in who we are. Whether that's rapid or or whether that's gradual over time. And so Paul says to the Galatians, "You, you know that that salvation moment happened by faith. And so that's going to lead him into his question in verse 3. He says, And are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? If you started your relationship with God by faith in the Gospel, then why wouldn't you continue your relationship with God by faith? If faith is what connected you to God in the first place, Paul is saying, then why isn't it your faith that's going to help continue to build you and grow you closer to God? Because here's the thing the Galatians were struggling with, and and here's the thing that we struggle with at times, is is we, we know that salvation is by faith through grace, and we say, it's all by my faith that I have this relationship with God, but, but then we go and say, now i got to work real hard to make myself a good person. i got to do A, B, C, and D to, to make myself a good Christian. And we should have a desire to honor God. We should have a desire to grow closer to God as, as we see all that Jesus did for us, that should cause us to be thankful and to to want to grow and want to know Jesus more and want to serve Him better. But Paul's saying it's not by your works that you're going to grow. It's not by your effort that you're going to grow. It's not by tradition or law-keeping or good old uh, American work ethic that's going to cause you to grow closer to God because it wasn't any of that stuff that brought you into relationship with God in the first place. He said it was your faith that brought you into relationship with God and and continuing to live and grow in that faith is what's going to help you to continue to live and grow and become closer to God and serve Him more. And I know that that's a bit of an abstract thought. And the the whole idea of of faith is a little bit of an abstract thought. And and so an analogy that has really helped me to understand what faith is, and and as we understand what faith is, it's going to help us to understand what it means then for us to continue to live by faith. But an analogy that's helped me is, is a stool. And the question is, what does it mean for me to have faith in this stool. And, and first of all, I, I got to tell you a, kind of a funny story uh, before we start this analogy. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were having a, like a youth hangout night at JR's house, and we were playing a, a game, and we're all sitting around the table playing this game, and uh, I, I lean up to 
play my card or, or do whatever, and then I lean back in the stool, and the stool just collapses under me. Like, it, it was hilarious for the teens, kind of embarrassing for me, but it just collapsed under me. I don't know if JR set me up for failure or what, but uh, anyway, that makes me a little bit skeptical about stools sometimes. I don't know if I should put my faith in this stool, if I should trust it to hold me up. And that's kind of where we all start out with God. Right? We're not born with faith in God. We're born with God over here and we're over here. We're born separated from God. And we have to figure out, should I, can I, will I put my faith in God? And so first of all, we see and we believe that there's a stool there. And that's kind of how it starts out with God and our spiritual life too, that maybe we've got to believe that God is there, that there is a God. And then we need to figure out, am I going to put my faith in Him or not? And here's what God doesn't ask us to do. He doesn't ask us to have a blind faith. He doesn't say, just run over and jump on the stool. But God allows us to have a reasonable faith. He gives us opportunity to examine, am I trustworthy? Is the stool trustworthy to sit on and to put my faith in? And so I go and I look at the stool and it's made of metal and it's got all its screws in there. And I saw it holding Josh last week and if it can hold him, it can hold me, right? So, so I, I kind of reason and I look at the evidence and, and I, I come to the conclusion, I believe this stool can hold me. And God invites us to do that with Him, to do that with Jesus, to do that with the Gospel as well. Look at the evidence. Look at the evidence in the Bible for what does the Bible say about Jesus. Look at the evidence outside the Bible. Uh, is the Bible reliable? And we can look at evidence to to point towards the reliability of the Bible and the reliability of the historical Jesus that's presented in the Bible. We can look at Jesus' impact on other people's lives. If He changed that guy's life and that guy's life, maybe He can do something in my life as well. And we can start to come to the conclusion, I believe that Jesus can do something in my life. I believe that Jesus can hold my life and can give me hope. But if I stand here and say, I believe this stool can hold me, is that really faith in this stool? It's not really faith yet. It's belief. It's a step toward faith, but it's not faith yet. Faith is when I actually come over and I sit in the stool and I don't keep a foot on the ground, but I actually lift both my feet off the ground and either this stool is going to hold me or I'm going to fall on my butt and look like an idiot in front of all of you. And that's what our faith in Jesus is as well. Faith is when we say, I believe Jesus is who the Bible says He is. I believe He is my only hope for salvation, for a renewed relationship with God in heaven someday, and I'm going to bank everything on Him. Either Jesus is going to hold my life and my eternity, or nothing is. And that is faith, and that is what saves us. 
But here's the thing Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 3 that it's kind of comfy on the stool, but I don't want to just sit on this stool forever. When we see all the good things that Jesus has done for us, we're, we're grateful and we're thankful and we, we want to continue to pursue Him and we want to know God more and we want to serve God more. And maybe I'm in this stool and, and it's nice here, but I, I want to get a little higher up. Right? I, I want to reach something up there maybe. And so there, there's a couple ways I can get myself a little higher up in the air. I could get back off the stool and I could start jumping. Yeah, I'm getting up. Oh, no, I'm back down. I'm getting up. No, I'm back down. And here's the thing. Here, here's the thing kind of opened my eyes. This is what we do in our spiritual life a lot of times. We've started out with this faith in God. God, You you hold me. God, You preserve my life. Okay, God, I want to grow closer to You. Let me go back to my works and let me strive real hard. And how often has our spiritual life looked like this? Like, man, I'm getting closer to God. Oh, no. I'm getting closer to God. Oh, no, I'm back where I was. That's what Paul's saying. Don't go back to your works. Don't go back to your own effort to try and grow closer to God. Stay in faith. Continue to pursue faith. If I want to get a little bit higher up in the air with this stool, maybe I examine the stool a little bit more. Right? This metal looks pretty strong. It's got a nice wide base. And you know what? I saw this thing hold JD one time. And if it can hold JD, it must be pretty strong. JD's not here to know I made fun of him. You guys can tell him Wednesday night. But, but I, I say this, this stool's pretty strong, so you know what? Maybe instead of just sitting on it, hopefully I don't fall down, instead of just sitting on it, I can get up on my knees on it. Right? It can hold me up a little bit higher. And now it's still the the stool and my faith and it's the foundation, but, but now I'm growing and now I'm up higher. And this is what it means for us to live by faith as we learn and we grow and we, and we know more about God. We can start to trust God more. And that gives us opportunity then to do more of what God called us to do. That it's not by our own efforts that as we learn to trust the God that our faith is resting on then we can trust Him to do more. And we can see the opportunities that He provides. Like this stool provides opportunity for me to get on my knees. And if I wanted to get a little higher, I could look and say, oh man, this this stool's alright. Maybe I can get up on my feet. I'm not going to because I don't actually have faith in that stool that much. (laughs) Um, But God is a lot more sure foundation than this stool. And so if we want to grow, it's not do our own works and and try and jump and get there. It means we take time to learn and grow and know more who God is. And as we grow in knowing who God is, then, then that builds our trust in Him. That shores up our foundation uh, that our faith is resting on. And then as we see the opportunities God puts before us, we can reach for those opportunities knowing that our foundation underneath in God is secure. And we can start to grow and, and start to serve God more. Just to try and make this real concrete for you, it, here's a way I've been trying to apply this lately in my life. And 
Uh, this is definitely not a, a story of how Ben's got it all figured out. This is still a work in progress in my life. <clears throat> but, but one of the things that I struggle with some, and, and uh, the last couple of years I've struggled with it even a little bit more, but uh, one of the things I struggle with is uh, anxiety, and, and, and sometimes anxiety about finances is, is the big thing I can get anxious about. And my finances are actually pretty good, so it's not a real founded uh, fear and anxiety, but, but I, I get anxious uh, about that sometimes and, and kind of stress about that. And, and then uh, I'm not generous like I, I should be because I'm anxious about uh, am I going to have enough for myself sometimes. And, and I, I want to follow God. And I know, know God says in the, His Word not to be anxious. I know that the Bible says that we're to be generous and give to the poor. But that anxiety can be a struggle and a hindrance for me to, to do those things. To grow closer to God in those areas and to serve Him more in those areas. And in the past, I've come over here and tried to jump and tried to do it in my, my own strength. If I, if I get a, a budget together, then I'll, I'll know I have enough for the month. And, and if I, I save and build up my savings account, then I'll, I'll have that to fall back on. And, and man, I, I want to be generous. I need to be generous. So I'm going to set a goal that I'll, I'll pay for one friend's dinner once a month or something like that. And, and I try to do those things in my own strength. Not that any of those things are bad. They're, they're good things. But they try to become my way to defeat this struggle and in my own strength to grow closer to God and to serve God more. And I start to rely on, on those things as my means of, of making me a, a better follower of God. And the reality is a lot of times those things work for, for a minute, but like jumping, you, you come back down. You guys don't know, uh, every so often your budget just gets blown up for the month. No matter how much you have in the savings account, you always feel like, man, a little bit more would be, be good. What if two things go wrong this month? Or something like that. And, and you're trying to be generous, and you're like, okay, i got to pay for my buddy's meal tonight. And instead of enjoying the meal, you're just sitting there stressing like, please don't order the steak. Please don't order the steak. Right? You're trying in your own effort. I'm trying in my own effort, but it doesn't always work out real well. And one of the things God's shown me, and, and I've, I've been trying to apply, and again, this isn't, I'm perfect in this, and I've got to figure it out. This is still all in process for me, but, but God's been showing me you've you got to live more by faith than your own effort. You've you got to keep learning about who God is and, and keep reinforcing in your mind and in your heart who God is to, to know that your God is the Creator and Sustainer of the universe. That, that your God owns the sheep on a thousand hills. That your God is your Father and, and your Provider taking care of your needs. And as I start to to understand that more and, and build that foundation more and put more of my faith and my trust in that God, then that starts to take away some of that anxiety. That I, I don't have to control my finances. I, I have a God that's in control of that stuff. 
And as I trust that and as I put more faith in, in God, then that frees me up to take advantage of the opportunities that He puts in front of me that, that I don't have to force myself to, to buy that meal. I can look and say, man, I have the opportunity to bless my friend with a meal tonight. And it's alright if he buys the steak because God's provided for me. And I can just enjoy being in His company and enjoy that He gets a good meal. When that opportunity comes up to, to help that person in need, I can give a little bit of money to it because I know my God has provided. My, my foundation is strong and, and now I can step into that opportunity. And that's where, where God's been working on me and, and trying to lead me in, in the last couple months. And maybe you can relate to that specifically or not, but, but hopefully that illustrates what I'm trying to get across here. That it, if it's our faith that saves us, our faith that makes us right with God, then it's going to be our faith that helps us to grow in that relationship. And we need to strive to build that faith by, by knowing more of who our God is and why He's trustworthy. And then just seeing those opportunities He puts in front of us and walking in those. Let me close this in prayer. Lord God, Father, I just thank You for this day. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You are a, a trustworthy God that we can put our faith in You. I thank You for helping me to understand that better uh, over the last week and, and the last couple of months, Lord God. And, and Father, I, I pray that You would I uh, hope everyone here to understand better how they can continue to grow in their faith in You. Whatever it is that they struggle with, that they would be able to see how You are faithful and You are trustworthy in that area and, and how building that faith and trust in You can help relieve some of that struggle and, and open up opportunities for them to pursue You more and serve You more. Let us be people that grow in our love and our faith and our trust in You. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.